Porch, uh, man, whether you guys are in the overflow or you're hanging out in Boise or Tulsa or Austin uh, or in this room here, uh, man, it is a huge honor and joy to get to be with you guys uh, again. Uh, if we haven't had the chance to meet, uh, my name is Drew Worsham. And uh, if you were here last time, just, I mean, I'm more curious, but show of hands, any of you here last time I was here? Okay. Thanks, that's super encouraging. I'm a little flattered. Uh, well, I, I knew coming back that there was probably no way that I would be able to step up on this stage and, uh, and not do what we did last time, uh, which if you were here, yeah, yeah, you're already ahead of me. Um, for the last 15 years of my life, I've spent traveling full-time as a professional magician or illusionist for the Christians that are here. And... Um, <laughs> that's, usually a joke, we'll see. Uh, but uh, I figured we'd kind of just kickstart and maybe do a trick if that's okay with you guys. Is that cool? Yeah. Usually that's the response. Um, well, I, I was born in the 80s and then I spent most of my years growing up in the 90s. And there was this really popular game uh, that was, like I said, popular when I was a kid and then it kind of fell out of fashion. And then recently has kind of surfaced uh, in popularity. And I think probably has a lot to do with this kind of 90s fashion trend. And some of you, you may have one of these. You may have seen one of these. Uh, but just out of curiosity, um, do you guys know what this is? Any Rubik's Cube. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Very good. Uh, well, what's interesting about, uh, well, just actually curiosity. And be honest, don't try to impress everybody here uh, tonight, but just by show of hands, how many of you can actually solve a Rubik's Cube? Like if we give this to you right now, you could probably solve it before we left tonight. Oh, wow. Uh, very cool. Okay. Maybe one. Kind of like you were nervous about it. Uh, maybe not so much. Uh, you, you, sir, uh, you can right here. Oh, wow. Like people are pointing at you. Uh, it probably means you were homeschooled. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just. That's honestly the first time I've used that joke. I'm glad it worked. Uh, tell, me, tell me your name. Yeah, Ryan. You, you really can't solve the Rubik's Cube? Just, were you homeschooled? Yeah, you were. Yes! Uh, Ryan, just, hey, honestly, be, be honest. How fast can you solve the Rubik's Cube? I don't know if you heard that, but he said under a minute. Uh, sometimes. Okay. You got to drop that disclaimer just to make sure. Uh, I tell you what, Ryan, join me up here. Will you guys give him a huge round of applause? Yeah, keep clapping. He's got, oh man, I shouldn't have picked the guy in the middle. Uh, come on. Keep clapping for him. Keep clapping for him. Oh, whoa. Nice. That was impressive. Okay, step up here. Uh, Ryan, if you would take this and, and shuffle it for, for us uh, and make sure that it's, uh, it's just one of those cheap Walmart things. So yeah. be careful, don't to drop it. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, okay, you feel good? Yeah, I feel good. Okay, perfect. Ryan, this is where this gets to be fun. Okay. Uh, I want you to take it and put it behind your back. And here's what's going to happen in just a second. In just a minute, uh, Ryan's going to solve this Rubik's Cube behind his back without looking. And uh, I'll, be, I'll probably be honest with you, this is gonna be maybe the most impressive thing that you see me do all night. Um, 
Uh, but if I told you you were going to do that, what would you say? I've done it before. You've, done, you've solved it behind your back. Or like without looking. Without looking. Yeah. You like memorized it though. Yeah. Okay. Well, just so that we're, man, I didn't think this day would come. Uh, I didn't know you were that homeschooled. Uh, so I'm kidding. Ryan, um, uh, but you, you didn't look at it. You didn't memorize it. So if you were to solve it right now, that would be a miracle. And Ryan, be very honest. Don't lie. Um, we didn't set this up beforehand. This is the first time we're meeting. Uh, and you really did shuffle the Rubik's Cube. You're not just playing along. Okay. Um, well, tonight, that's exactly what's going to happen. Okay. Uh, we're going to try for you to solve this Rubik's Cube. And the way this is going to work is because right now it's impossible. I'm going to try to get inside of your mind. I'm going to try to influence every single muscle movement that you use with your fingers. Okay. Um, so here, I'll just go ahead and tell you up front, don't overthink this. Uh, don't fight it. Like I said, just kind of almost like you're just, if you really could have this superpower, what it would feel like to solve it. Now, I need to take a good look at it. We've got green on the top. Be very careful as you turn it, don't drop it. We've got green. See the red side, white, orange, yellow, blue, and we're missing. Okay. Perfect. Okay. I think I have a good idea. On a count of three, you're going to just start solving that Rubik's Cube. Okay. okay? Like I said, behind your back, do not overthink this. Um, and this is going to blow their minds. Uh, uh, but to make it interesting tonight, just for, for fun, uh, we're going to add a second Rubik's Cube into the mix. And uh, just to kind of have a sample here, I'll, I'll be doing this as well. Um, now, just we want to, Ramsey, you can back me up on this. You bought these Rubik's Cubes, uh, and you and JD, you guys shuffled these before we came up here. I can't even begin with, so this should be fun. Oh my gosh. Are you ready? Yeah. A little nervous. Uh, okay. You got this, Ryan. You got this. You ready? Three, two, one. Begin solving now. Go with your impulse. Don't overthink it. Just keep moving. Just keep moving. Keep moving. Doing great. Keep moving. Very good. You feeling confident, Ryan? Good. Okay. Stop. Finish the move. And here's what I want you to do with, with the Rubik's Cube still behind your back and your right hand open. Would you just kind of take your hand and put it out just like this? Ryan, in just a second, not now, you're going to take that Rubik's Cube and you're going to show everyone what you've done. Now, here's the deal. Ryan, if you pull out a solved Rubik's Cube, the chances of you doing that are one in 43 quintillion. Uh, which just like, you're like, that's just a big number. Just if you're curious, you're more likely to leave tonight and swing by the gas station and pick one of those Powerball six, pick six and to get all six of them right tonight. But not only tonight and tomorrow and the next day, but every single day for the next 72 years. Um, that are the chances. So I tell you that to say that if he pulls out this Rubik's Cube solved, that's so impressive that it probably deserves a whole lot more applause than what's been given so far tonight. Uh, it may be a standing ovation for you. Uh, Ryan, show him what you've done. I thought you said you could solve it. 
And you said he gets all of it behind your back. Uh, okay, cool. Um, well, at least one of us will do something impressive tonight. Uh, ta-da! Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, this is impossible. <laughs> Seriously. You guys give Ryan a huge round of applause. You can have a seat, bro. You can have a seat. Well done. Wait. Come here. 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 Ryan, you're going to kind of have to be the eyes for everyone uh, tonight because they're not going to believe this. Um, but tonight, you really did shuffle the Rubik's Cube. We didn't just play along. We didn't talk beforehand. You guys really did shuffle these as well. Well, tonight, if one side of your Rubik's Cube that you shuffled were to match one of the sides of my Rubik's Cube tonight, that would be just as impressive as this crazy thing. Right? That's impressive. They're not impressed. Uh, maybe it'd be more impressive if they'd realize it wasn't just one side, Ryan, that there were actually two sides that matched tonight. Yeah, yeah. Not just that, but what if there were three sides that matched as well? We'll just keep going. What about four? No, this is... I, Okay, no, it's cool. No, 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 no. They see this all the time. Uh, but it's not just four. We've got five. We've got six sides that match exactly. Would you guys give Ryan a huge round of applause? You can have a seat. Well done. Yeah. I thought it was cool. Uh, sweet. I guess uh, that one's more for me uh, than it was for anybody else. Well, uh, Tonight, um, right before walking up uh, here on stage, um, a friend of mine, um, Austin, who, who traveled with me to San Antonio, we're on staff together at a church in San Antonio, and uh, he just, man, lovingly just kind of pat me on the back and said, Drew, it's really easy to step on stage as uh, a performer. You've done that for the last 15 years, or maybe even as a preacher uh, tonight, if it's okay with you, I'd like to just maybe step away from just the performer side and just speak to you uh, as a pastor um, and maybe even as a big brother, hoping that you would leverage your life for things that really matter in your short amount of time here on planet Earth. Um, a lot's changed in, in my life since I think September we were here. Um, my wife and I, we, we have a two-year-old, uh, which is crazy. I think we have a picture. Uh, my wife's name is Jane, and uh, we have a two-year-old named Tilly. Uh, she's amazing. Um, I, I don't know if exactly the timeline, but I think I left the porch, and it, there's, the spirit's just moving at this place, and went home and found out a few weeks later that we're pregnant. And so I don't know if there's a connection. Uh, I don't know if it's a porch baby or not, I'm not sure how that works, but um, uh, yeah, so we're having a son come June and that's, we're pumped about that, but I share that just to kind of catch you up with our life, but also to let you know that we really do love you guys and we love what God is doing here and this really is a special place uh, that we're, where we can look around and there are places all over the country that want to tap into the DNA of what God is doing here. Uh, in, in Dallas, 
Like, I mean, there, there are people in San Antonio right now that are gathering together and go, how do, we, how do we replicate this? How do we clone this? Because there seems to be a move of God because of the leadership here, and we want to be a part of it. So God is doing something really, really cool. And my hope is just to kind of step into a moment and just kind of like keep it spinning. And so I want to pray for us, and then we're just going to dive into God's word, and we'll let him speak uh, for himself. So Jesus, tonight... In these next few moments, here's what I know with all my heart. Not a single person in this space and in this room needs to hear from me. And no one in this room needs a magic trick. No one needs a joke or a story. Father, we walk into this place needing to hear from you. Because it's your words that are everlasting. It's your words that have the ability to take a dead person and bring them back to life. It's your words that change us at the core of who we are. And so, Jesus, I'm begging you tonight to speak to us. Speak to us in a way that we we really can't understand. Speak to us in a way that our hearts can interpret. God, I pray that we would leave this space forever changed, not because of some lecture or for for some performance, but because you showed up and you showed off and you spoke to us. And so God, please, don't, don't let me speak from my own heart or my own thoughts. Let me just be a microphone that amplifies your voice to your people. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, if tonight you have a Bible, I'd love for you to turn uh, to Acts, um, Acts chapter 18. If you need to swing to the table of contents, please feel freedom to do that. Um, but Acts is right after the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then you got Acts. Now, <clears throat> as you turn there, I'm not sure if any of you guys remember uh, middle school yearbook day. Uh, it's one of those days that you like wake up with a lot of confidence and you put on your man guest jeans pressed to the hilt, maybe a gap polo, use some LA looks to spike that part just right. Uh, just kidding. It is horrific, horrific memories. But the reason I tell you that is because if you think back, a yearbook is ultimately a snapshot into what life was like back then. A life was like back in that year. And 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 I share that because we're going to dive into a pretty obscure chapter in Acts chapter 18. And what it is ultimately, I want you to see it this way, is a yearbook which is snapshots of what life was like for a few people in the story. And Acts 18 is going to introduce us to several people. And like I said, it's this kind of yearbook for the early Corinthian church. And we're going to see what they're remembered for, what they live for. And most importantly, we're going to see a snapshot of how God accomplishes his plan in and through them with ordinary, everyday people. And so tonight, I'm going to go ahead and kind of give you the punchline. I'm going to kind of give you the thesis. So if you're taking notes, you write this down, you go out to eat and somebody's like, hey, what'd that guy talk about? You just say this sentence and it looks like you paid attention. And here it is. This is what I want you to catch tonight if you hear nothing else, is that God accomplishes his extraordinary plans through everyday, ordinary people. 
that that's God's MO. That he, he, he accomplishes his plans to change the world through everyday, ordinary people. And that's what this yearbook is going to try to tell you and me, that there is a God who has a plan to make disciples of all nations and his intention is to use everyday people to carry it out. So tonight we're gonna meet some ordinary people who are living for God's plan and then we're gonna see three signs so that you can know whether or not you are living for your plans or for God's plans. That's our goal. Got it? Feel good? Let's rock and roll. Acts 18, look at verse one, and here's what the scripture says. It says, after this, Paul left Athens and he went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And pause there for just a second. If you've maybe spent some time in the Bible or, you know, unlike me, like I didn't grow up in the church, didn't know a lot of this language, but you may recognize Corinth here because that's where the Corinthians live. And the apostle Paul is eventually gonna write two handwritten letters to the church that he helped start here, this church right here. And so we get to see a little bit of the humble beginnings. The first people who show up in the Corinthian yearbook are Aquila and Priscilla. It's a husband and wife duo who have literally been kicked out of their country under religious persecution and have arrived in Corinth as refugees. And watch this. Don't, don't miss this, Porch. That's, that's where God begins his plan. Two refugees. Like, think about this. When their lives and their plans had totally fallen apart, that's when God steps in and he begins to use them to accomplish his plan. When their life looked totally finished for them, they were just in this survival mode in a new city. God was just beginning to use them in his plan. And that needs to be an encouragement or a challenge to some of you tonight. That God takes what looks like dead ends and he uses them for new beginnings. And some of you, that's how you walked into this space tonight. You feel as though you're in a dead end situation, that life hasn't turned out the way you expected it, that you didn't get the promotion that you were wanting, or maybe you've lost your job, or you're still not married, or maybe worse yet, you still can't even get the first date. Or maybe, and maybe you feel like a refugee. There's great news that maybe your life didn't turn out the way you planned it or the way you thought it would, but God is just getting started with you. That God uses everyday people with everyday problems and everyday situations to carry forward the greatest hope in the world. And that, listen, it's not just that he can use you, it's that he plans to use you. So like, Porch, like wrap your mind around that. Like so often it's so easy for us to step into places like this. We're like, no, 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 God can use you. Like that's your job. That's your profession. And we feel like our responsibility is just to come and to just sit in the seats and maybe just happily participate. But what if God actually wants to use you? 
Like, what if God wants to change the world through you? Have you ever thought about that? That God used 12 teenage boys in the middle of nowhere and he flipped the world upside down spiritually because they believed him. Can you just begin to wrap your mind around what would happen if just eight, 10, 12 of you in Dallas or Cincinnati or Boise said, God, you can use me. There's nothing special about me. If I'm honest, I feel like I'm at a dead end and I've got very little to offer and God shows up and goes, good. I was waiting for you to figure that out. Let's keep going. He goes on in verse two and he says, and he went, Paul goes to see them and because he was on the same trade or he's of the same trade, he stayed with them and he worked for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue the temples and every, every Sabbath, and he tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. So we find Paul, he's making tents during the week, talking about Jesus at night, and then on his days off, he went and preached. Verse five, when Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garment and he said to them, your blood be on your heads, I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. So finally, the summer interns have arrived, Silas and Timothy, and Paul shifts his focus from tent making to preaching the good news. Now, real quick, um, because if you're like me and reading this scripture, you get to this part where he says, your blood be on your heads. And, and if we're honest, let's just be honest, if that's okay. Can you do that in church? I think so. Uh, if we're honest, uh, this is a little intense. And it comes across like this is one of those things that like an angry fundamentalist would say. Like if you share your faith with your friends and they don't believe instantly, you just look at them and scream like, your blood be on your heads. Um, to be honest, not sure if that's gonna win you a lot of friends. Uh, so maybe don't try that. But unless you think Paul is lacking some compassion here, I want just to give you a quick context. I want you to know that these are the exact same men and women that Paul longs to see come to faith. Like he, he knows that all he can do is share the love of Jesus with them. And Paul feels the burden unless he shares the gospel with them that he in some way shares the guilt of their condemnation. Like if he doesn't share with them, that, that, that weight is on him and lands on his shoulders. And so we know that he loves these people so much. Two chapters later, he's gonna say that I testify that I'm innocent of the blood of all for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. That Paul knows that he cannot control someone's response. Like good news, Porch. The people that God is sending you to the people that God has called you to love, that's called you to use your life as a spotlight to point to Jesus, you can't change their mind. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how many books you've read. The truth is, if you can talk them into it, the next person's just gonna talk them out of it. That only the Holy Spirit, only God himself can open the eyes of the heart of a person and let them see Jesus as the treasure that he really is. So, whoa, 
that's just a huge burden off your shoulders. Because real talk, the most the reason we don't tell people about this Jesus that's captured our heart and our life, it's like, well, what if I mess up? What if I say something wrong? What if they ask me a question that I don't know? Hey, just can I give you a helpful hint and just maybe, maybe this will just like free you up. When someone asks you a question that you don't know, you just say, I don't know. Like I, I'm blown away at how groundbreaking that is for so many of us. Let me give you a quick example. This isn't in the notes, this is all free, okay? Um, <laughs> you come up to me afterwards and you go, hey Drew, real talk. You really love your wife? Go, yeah, what's her name? Jane. How many freckles she got on her nose? I don't, I don't know. If that matters to you, I'll, I'll, I'll ask her if I can count them when I get home tomorrow, like if that's a big deal for you. But me not knowing the answer to that question doesn't change the fact that I'm absolutely in love with that woman. The fact that I'm doing life with her. And so that's the beauty of following Jesus. Just because you don't have an answer, you go, I, I don't know, I'll try to go figure it out. I'm sure it's on the internet somewhere or somebody on the porch staff will hook me up. Like, I'll find out for you. There's so much freedom. How do, I, I don't know. Hope, I think that was for somebody tonight. I'm not sure for who. Uh, but there you go. That's what Paul's ultimate. It's not even the point. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> let's just jump to set, verse 7. He says this. Uh, the scripture says, and, and he, talking about Paul, left there and he went to the house of a man named Titius Justice, a worshiper of God, which just means that he was Gentile, he was non-Jew, and he's a Christian. His house was next door to the synagogue. And Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and they were baptized. So the next two people that we meet are these two guys with very strange names, Titius and Crispus. One's a Gentile believer, non-Jewish believer. One's a Jewish believer. And I want you to see this. Titus, he puts his neck on the line by housing Paul, one of the most wanted men in the region at this time. And then Crispus, who's a synagogue leader, a ruler of the faith, hanging out with these people, he's putting his job on the line. So both of these guys are risking a lot. Crispus essentially is putting his job on the line by believing in Christ. And Titius is putting his neck on the line with his community and his friends by housing a guy that really isn't that popular. Their bios, if you were to look in their snapshot of their yearbook, would say they gave up their reputation and they risked their careers to follow Jesus. But the verse ends with, don't miss this, Many Corinthians believed. And this is the whole point of Acts 18, and really the whole book of Acts, that God is going to do extraordinary things through everyday, ordinary people. And I think that's what God wants to show us in this chapter, that regardless of your background, your race, your profession, or your relationship status, God has a plan for you, and it ends with people following, falling in love with Jesus and becoming his disciples. That even Paul, that we often put the Apostle Paul on a pedestal, and, and, and rightfully so in many ways. Like, I mean, the greatest missionary that our faith has ever known, starting about 13 to 14 churches across Europe and Asia and Africa, goes on to write about 75% of the New Testament. Yeah, yeah, he's on the Hall of Fame. But he was also just an everyday guy. 
But look at the next three verses. Verse nine. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you. For I, am, for I have many in the city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. The first thing God says to Paul, don't be afraid. Why? Because he was afraid. Paul was afraid. He had already been beaten and rejected and he knew he was gonna get beaten and rejected again. And this is very important. Paul is an everyday guy just like us. He's not Superman. He's scared of what's coming, which should encourage you. Paul's an everyday guy with a nine to five tent making job trying to serve God during a few of his free hours on Sunday in a fear of what following Jesus will get him into. And when it comes to faith in Jesus Christ, there are no extraordinary people, just an extraordinary God. Just everyday people that God uses for extraordinary things. He has a plan for you and I too. And what this entire chapter is pointing you and I to is this truth, that God accomplishes his extraordinary plans through everyday people. His plan to make disciples to all, at all nations. His tools, you and me. That God used people with pretty stable career paths and he used people whose lives had totally been flipped upside down. He even uses interns. What did they have in common? They chose to live out God's plan for their lives and not their own. Their yearbook, the slogan would have been trading our plans for God's plans. So here's the question I want to leave you with tonight. And hopefully you have a chance to discuss this as you go hang out and grab coffee or hang out in the lobby or go grab a drink with friends. What plan are you living for right now? Like what plan are you living for right now? What plan is guiding your decisions, influencing your relationships? Because you're all living for a plan. The question is just which one and whose? And so here's what I wanna do. I wanna go back through this chapter and I wanna show you three signs to help you evaluate whose plans you're ultimately living for, okay? So here we go, we'll go fast. These are three signs that you're living out God's plan for your life, okay? Number one, here it is. You invest your life into others, not yourself. You invest your life into others and not yourself. And listen, real talk, I'm not talking about taking care of yourself. You should. But I think many of us have taken that expression way too far and it's all we do is take care of ourselves. And we need to figure out what does it look like to actually invest in the life of others and not ourselves. Paul moves in with Aquila and Priscilla here. He works with them. We know that from other places in scripture that he develops a deep friendship with them. And that's why like you, you, you see him like when, when he's in Ephesus and he leaves the church there in verse 18, like by the time he writes to the Corinthian church, he mentions them three times throughout the New Testament. 
Like he's constantly referring back to them. But Quilla and Priscilla, then they take their lives and later on in this chapter, we won't have time to get to it, they meet a guy named Apollos. And Apollos is, uh, he's essentially a fairly brand new believer in Jesus, but he doesn't know the whole story. And so Aquila and Priscilla go, hey man, we'd love to include you. And they invite him into a conversation that we don't know is just like one time over coffee or if it's like months. They begin to let us share the whole story with you and they invest in him. And that even, this is so interesting, just something cool to notice that Timothy, who's the intern in verse five, Timothy's watching Paul invest in Aquila Priscilla, who then invests in Apollos. And sometime later, Timothy gets a letter from Paul in 2 Timothy 2.2. And he says this, he says, hey, Timothy, what you, what you've learned from me, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Timothy, what you saw me do, by investing in others, invest in others. Like what you watched me do, you do that, pass it along. This world is not just about you, invest in others. Porch, can I ask you to just maybe pause for a second and think about your yearbook. Think about if, if, if we took a snapshot right now of your life, what, what would you be remembered for? Because how you're remembered is directly related to who and what you invest your time and energy into. Real talk, just think about that. High school, if you invested in chess club, drama club, sports, like that, that's what the snapshot shows. Where you invest your time and your energy shows you man, what you're living for and what you're investing in. Can I ask you tonight if it's okay? Who are you investing your life into? I'm just gonna get real for a second. Here's what many of you think right now. Drew, listen, I'm just trying to figure it out. I'm just trying to figure this job out so I can hopefully maybe get a date so I can get a date, so maybe I can hopefully maybe get married, maybe settle in, maybe get some kids. And in real talk, what, what happens is we go, well, I'll start investing in others once this happens. I think I shared this with some of you last time. That we go, you know what, well, here's what'll happen is once I get married, Drew, I think I'll have lots more free time to start investing in people around me. And you're like, ah, you know, actually that wasn't true. That's kind of crazy. But I bet when we have kids, once we have kids and a bunch of little people running around, I have lots of time to invest in others. Well, maybe, maybe when they graduate. Maybe, and here's the deal. Many of you sadly, sadly, will spend the rest of your lives saying maybe then, and you will spend the rest of your life living for your plans and not the plans that God has for your life. And tonight I love you enough to step into this moment and to go, you may be missing out on God's best for your life because you've made it all about you. Once again, not in the notes that I'm grateful 
I'm grateful to have had a youth pastor when I was 17 years old. Not only invite me to an event, but invite me into his life and teach me what it looks like to be, to be a dad when I didn't really have one. And teach me how to love his wife when I didn't have that as an example. I'm grateful that Danny gave his life so that I could know Jesus. I'm grateful for a guy named Scott. I was a young man trying to figure out ministry and how to perform on the street. Just said, let me, we'll worry about the magic later. Let me just show you what it looks like to follow Jesus and not lose your mind while on the road. Church, who are you investing into? Are you willing to live for God's plan in your life and then pass it along to those like, around you? Like that's it, that's discipleship. It's choosing to give your life over to what God wants to do with it, to make your decisions and build your relationships based upon what God has called you to and then bringing others along for the ride. And if that sounds scary, perfect, because that leads us to the second sign that you're living for God's plan. Number two, you find security in Jesus, not in your plans. In verse nine, it says, the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, don't be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent for I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you for I am, have many in this city who are my people. God gives Paul two promises, his presence and his security. He says, I'll be with you, that's his presence. He said, no one's gonna harm you, that's security. Guess what, church? Each one of you have those exact same promises. Matthew 28, Jesus says, and lo, I'll be with you to the ends of the age. My presence is with you. Colossians 1 would tell us this, that the hope of glory that you and I have is that for whatever reason, that the presence of God Almighty, the moment that you say yes to Jesus and you push all the chips in like Texas Hold'em style and you're like, my life's yours, you can have it. And you step off the throne of your life and you let him be captain. For whatever reason, in that moment, the presence of God Almighty the same God that spoke the world into existence chooses to take up residence inside of you. Church, do not be underwhelmed by that fact. Do not be underwhelmed. So many of us, man, I can tell you, just look at me, you're like, yeah, yeah, Drew, big deal. We know that, God's in our hearts. Like we went to vacation Bible school, we can sing the songs, we can even spell it. Like he's deep, deep down in our heart, you know, and we, like whatever the motions are, like, are you kidding? The God of the universe, the creator of all things that we know, like lives and dwells inside of you? That the same power that rose Jesus Christ from the grave now courses through your veins? Are you kidding me? But real talk. We want the promises without the action. The promises are for action. That he gives him his presence and he gives him security. Why? Because he expects him to be a part of his plan. And what we want is we want God, I want you to be with me. And I want you to keep me safe. And I just want you to let me do whatever I want to do. And it is a fatal flaw of the Western church. 
that you believe that God is some cosmic genie in the sky that just wants to bless your plants when he has a whole new plan for your life that's way bigger and way greater than you could ever imagine. And so many of us are searching after security while at the same time running from God's presence. Like we're searching for security, but we're actually running from the very thing that's gonna give us security and the hope that we want. Like a couple months ago, my daughter Tilly, she's two, she's just learning to walk and stuff and she's into everything. And I'm trying to change her diaper and I tell she's just crying and like, I'm just like, let me just like clean this mess. And but at the same time, she's running from me. And I keep trying to like, no, no, let me, let me take care of you. Let me clean you up. Like, I know you don't want to be in the mess. Like, let, let, me, let me wipe this down. And so as I'm trying to get this diaper off of her, she's crying and everything in me is like, sweetheart, like, I'm not trying to take from you. Like, I, I'm not trying to steal from you. Like, I want your joy more than you want it. I'm not trying to take from you. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to allow you to be clean and to flourish and to thrive. But you keep running from me. And the very thing that I think so many of us desire and hope from, we're running from it. And trying to, to, to build our own plans and to live out our own security. The question is, is your security found in Christ or is it found in your plans? Another side note, man, if you have, if you know Jesus, you really have experienced his love, has your plans changed? How, how has the gospel changed your plans? Because I submit to you, if they haven't changed much, you may not know Jesus. Tomorrow morning I wake up and something horrific happens to my wife. My whole life is shattered. My plans are different. Not just for tomorrow night, but for, not just for the rest of the year. I mean, I'm, I'm messed up. And here's why. Because I actually know and love Jane. If the gospel, if you found out tonight it was one giant hoax, that none of it was real, all made up, how would your life be different tomorrow? If the answer is not much, you may not know him. Point three. Son, I didn't think this was going to be this heavy. I'm sorry. Uh, like never again. We're walking out here questioning. I really do, church. I hope that you know that I, I love you. I'm fighting for you. And I really do want you to experience all that Jesus offers you. The last thing is, are you risking enough to need God's help? Are you risking enough to need God's help? I'm just going to summarize. Time's up. I'll do two quick things. And I'm so sorry. I want to ask you, and I don't know if they've got this. I don't know if this will be helpful. Actually, we're just going to bypass that. We'll do this. I'll land the plane here. 
with everything in me, I believe that God absolutely loves you. That the love of Jesus is more real than the chair you're seated in tonight. And Jesus is inviting you into such a sweet story. But to really follow after him, it takes you stepping off of the throne of your life and letting him be the captain and letting him call the shots. Trading in your plans for your life and all the ways that you thought it was going to roll out and maybe did or didn't. And go, Jesus, I'm I'm gonna choose to trust you. I'm gonna choose to follow after you. And God, I want you to use me in really big ways. All of us in this room are living for one of three things, one of three symbols that this is helpful for you. Maybe this will just kind of jar. Either you're living for a ladder, your plans are pointing to a ladder, like this is all about you climbing and trying to try to achieve something, or some of you, you're living for a couch. It's all about comfort. It's about you playing it safe. It's about you getting enough retirement. It's about you having a nice enough car. It's your comforts. Or it's for a cross. You take your plans in your life and you can fit them into any one of those three symbols. Let me give you a quick example. Some of you, you're like, hey, listen, real talk, Drew, I'm trying to be, get married. I wanna be married. I'm tired of being single. That's, that's a great plan, but it falls in one of those three things. You either want to get married because you're trying to keep up with your friends and you need to climb up that social ladder and you feel like that's going to help you out. Or it's a couch. Drew, I'm, I'm discontent. I don't, I feel lonely. I feel like that person will offer some comfort to me and will make me feel better. Or you see it through the symbol of the cross and you're like, hey, here's a real talk. Marriage has nothing to do with making me happy. It's nowhere in the Bible. It's a philosophy that's a little under hundred years old. That God cares way more about your holiness than he does about your happiness. And so God, I'm stepping into this marriage and I'm going to take the same posture that you and it doesn't matter if I'm served, it's all about me serving this person and helping lead them to the throne of Jesus. And it's probably gonna hurt really, really bad, but I want to give my life away to this person because the cross is the symbol that I've chosen to dignify my plans. And if that doesn't happen and I never get married, I can still be a servant and none of the plans change. But God wants to use you to do something extraordinary in Dallas-Fort Worth. I started this whole thing, Ryan, with the Rubik's Cube. And what's beautiful about the Rubik's Cube, Ryan, is that there's really nothing special about this. It's a bunch of plastic pieces that are on a little swivel device that move and shape. Like, I mean, legitimately, you bought these Ramsey at Walmart, or Target, I think, actually. Uh, There's nothing special about them. What makes the difference for the Rubik's Cube is whose plans it chooses to submit itself to. On its own, it stays here jumbled and confused and frustrating. Putting it in the wrong hands and it gets even worse. There's nothing ordinary about the Rubik's Cube. What makes the difference is whose hands the Rubik's Cube finds itself in. 
Tonight, I want to leave you with this. Watch. One minute, beat that, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> porch. God has this rich history of taking the broken, confusing pieces of our lives and doing something absolutely extraordinary with it. but you've got to place it in his hands. And so tonight, man, I, I don't know what the next step is for you, and, but I encourage you to maybe just sit for a second and go, God, what are you asking me to give over to you? Maybe just take it, maybe not rush into the song or rush off to get coffee. Maybe just sit and go, Jesus, what are you saying to me tonight? because I want to say yes. And tonight, if you are in this room and you don't know Jesus, surrendering your life is step one. And he loves you. And if you hear anything else from me tonight, hear this. He is absolutely worth it. So church, pray with me. God, I don't know what you're doing in this room, but I know that you're moving. And God, I pray that you would take these next few moments and you would speak to your people. Would you lift our eyes to see you, to experience you, and God, we walk out of this place forever changed. We need you.